Hello, hello. I'm your host, Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. So today's guest, we're going to be speaking with Tracy Conan. Now, she is a renowned forensic accountant. Hmm. I know this sounds like an exciting one. However, everybody's got a little niche. She's also the brains behind the Divorce Money Guide, a product that takes you step-by-step through the process of gathering and analyzing financial documents to determine where and how much money is missing. Now, Are we going to find joy in this topic? Knowledge is power. And that's why I want Tracy to share with us. And it may not be for us, for me, for you, for anyone. And it'll be funny because my husband, whenever I do have uh, guests on and, you know, where divorce is is their niche, and he'll be like, is there something wrong? I'm like, listen, Schmo, you know, come on, 40 years into this. No, not for us, but for others. It's just... We all know somebody who's been down this road. So let me stop speaking for a while. And I want to say thank you to Tracy and welcome. Thank you for having me, Stephanie, but you stole my line. Uh-oh, and, which one? Yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we all know someone getting divorced. We do. It's the sad truth. So I have a thousand questions lined up. And I did mean to give you my disclaimer before we started, which is, When I get really excited with what I hear, I start to kind of just shotgun off what turns out to be maybe 10 questions in one. Feel free just to pick and answer something because uh, my brain is just sometimes too excited and it works too fast. I try not to, but sometimes I'll just pepper and you'll be like, what did she really say? What does she want to know? If you would just be so kind. So we always start with, tell us about you anywhere you'd like to start. Well, people usually ask, how did you decide to become a forensic accountant? Because that's not your run-of-the-mill career choice when people are, when you're little little kids and doing career day at school, Mm -hmm. don't typically say, I want to be a forensic accountant. Story gets a little funny though, because I went to college to do a degree in criminology and my career goal was to become a prison warden. Wow. Yeah. Like it. Okay. Yep. Career goal. Those are strong words. Okay. Right. I like it. 
I thought that I was really going to be a prison warden someday. And that was exciting to me because I had always been fascinated with the prison system and the societies that are created within prisons and the idea of do prisons protect society? Do they create an opportunity for rehabilitation? How could we do it better? So all of that fascinated me. But my sophomore year of my criminology program, I ended up taking an elective called financial crime investigation. It was one of those classes that's only offered every few years. And I thought, well, if I ever want to take this, it sounds interesting. I should take it now because it might not be offered again before I graduate. So I took that class my sophomore year and really, really enjoyed it. And so I said, well, let me take an accounting class or two and see how I do at that. I did great. And so it was kind of off to the races, although back then uh, nobody called it forensic accounting. I just knew that it was going to be, I was going to be investigating numbers someday. Wow. Okay. Is it safe to say that, I mean, because I see the smile on your face and I think you can hear it when you do speak, like you really like what you do. I do like what I do. And I, people ask, what is forensic accounting? I just say, I find money. Right. Uh And what's so great about it is helping people achieve their justice. Right. Mm. I mean, I had a case, I started my business 22 years ago. And within the first couple of years, I had a case with an older woman who was retired, whose husband had died. And during their marriage, she had never even so much as written a check. So she knew nothing about handling money. She was a stay-at-home mom and he died and she had money from a retirement account. That was their entire life savings. And a family friend, allegedly friend said, I will help you invest this money in some real estate. And he ended up basically swindling her out of her money. And I was brought in to help prove that he swindled her out of the money and to get it back for her. What gratification to help her recover that money. She felt so terrible. You know, my husband left me this money and I immediately lost it and her life was ruined Mm -hmm. and we got it back for her. I love that. That's amazing. And yeah, whenever someone, you're so mad at yourself that you allowed it to happen and you didn't handle the money as the person who I'll say gave it to you, left it to you, et cetera, would have expected, I'll say. That's fantastic. So you are good at that. And then how, when do we delve into or get a little more specific in the divorce niche? Because usually, especially if it's endless and there are very rare, is it amicable? Very rare can, does the mediator work? And if there's uh, money at stake, things get ugly fast. Yeah, I kind of avoided divorce work for a while in my practice Mm -hmm. because of the emotional issues involved. Mm -hmm. And it Mm -hmm. can be very taxing, not only because sometimes the clients are a little bit harder to work with because there are such heightened emotions. And I don't certainly blame them at all for that. Um, But Mm -hmm. it's a different kind of case to work on. I gradually started getting into divorces and actually found that I really like them. And so in most of the cases that I work on, I am working on the side of the wife um, Mm -hmm. because they are the person who has not been in charge of the money, has not been the main breadwinner, and is the one who is fearful that they are being taken advantage of in the divorce. And as much as gender roles are changing and and the balance of power is shifting, there are still plenty of women. Not enough, right. Right. We're in that position and needing the help. 
Mm-hmm. And so the cases that I work on are typically people who are very well off. And part of that is because forensic accounting is expensive. It's labor intensive. It requires a high level of skill. And so it just gets expensive. It's probably about $10,000 or more to start to have a forensic accountant work with you on your case. And that's all fine and well, but probably 90% of people or more who are getting divorced can't afford that, which is how I came up with the idea for the divorce money guide, because I wanted to offer people an option something Mm. that would help them be able to look into the numbers and get some sort of answers without making that $10,000 or $20,000 investment. Wow. I love that. So how does it work? And I'm sure like every case, there's no cookie cutter case, but someone comes to you or is interested in learning more about the guide. What's the next step? The guide itself, I call it an online handbook. So It's at divorcemoneyguy.com. You go there, you purchase it. There are 10 steps that have videos, written materials, worksheets, checklists, everything Mm -hmm. you need to show you what is this financial piece of my divorce all about? What documents am I going to need to get together? How do I get them? And what do I do with them once I have them? And you're right that every case is different, but for what we're talking about here, I'm getting divorced and I think my husband is hiding some money. Or I think my husband has been spending money inappropriately, but I don't know how to find the proof of that. Mm -hmm. It all goes back to bank statements, credit card statements, investment account statements, if you have investment accounts. And it's all about looking at those transactions and seeing what's going on with them. So I focus heavily in the divorce money guide on getting those statements and on getting your tax returns. And then I teach you some super easy things that even a non-numbers person can do to look at these documents and hopefully find proof if there has been something going on, or if there hasn't been anything going on, you're at least having a chance to calm your own fears and get Mm -hmm. the proof that, hey, everything looks pretty okay. So with, you said bank statements, investment statements, and I don't know if it varies from, I'll say state to state, And as a, you're still a spouse, even though the future holds divorce court ahead, but as long as you're still married, if these accounts only for, for instance, had his name on it, do I then have any rights to find out about what his account, if he's so low on it? You do have rights, but your attorney is going to have to subpoena those records from the bank. So in order for you to get the records yourself, your name would have to be on the account. Okay. In that case, you can go directly to the bank and say, please give me my bank statements. You can go through online banking, download them Mm -hmm. there. But if your name isn't on the account, you're going to need to take that extra step through the legal system to have your attorney subpoena them. But I don't want people to think they can't get those records if their name hasn't been on them. A lot of times your husband is going to say, haha, that's my account. You have no right to see that. Not true. Sorry. When divorce is happening, all those cards have to be out on the table. Interesting. Okay. I want to do like two different scenarios. So one is, I think my marriage is fine for whatever reasons. I've either talked myself into it, just not acknowledging things. And I get either a conversation that takes me totally by surprise. And he's like, yeah, peace out. And this is over. What now? Where do you even begin? On the money stuff? Mm. Well, 
the first thing that I say is, is, as soon as you can bring yourself to do it, start gathering as much documentation as you can, right? If you have access to online banking today, start downloading stuff today because you don't know if tomorrow your jerk husband is going to change the password and not tell you what it is and make it difficult for you to access it. So I say, like you said, knowledge is power. And so mm-hmm. getting as much mm-hmm. documentation and saving it in a safe place is mm-hmm. one of your best first steps. I think the divorce money guide is not just a tool for people who think money has been stolen or spent inappropriately or hidden or any of that. There are people using the divorce money guide because they just haven't been involved in the family finances. And, you know, they're saying, I don't even know where to start. I want to understand where our money has been going, whether it's right, wrong or whatever. I just want to know. And so they can use the divorce money guide to help them. Okay. Here's where you start. Here's how you get your bank statements. Here's how you get your tax returns if you don't have copies of them. It's so true. Now, understand that, as you said, your clients tend to come from a different socio background, clearly. But it's not always just that way, you know, depending upon when that relation, how the relationship starts. And in this, today's world, I mean, granted, a lot of times both people are working, double incomes, and then perhaps children may change that. And, you know, then it's the, oh gosh, I was watching the new Father of the Bride movie with Andy Garcia, and he was saying that planning the bride, uh, the wedding for his daughter, whoever holds the gold holds the power. And it's just something that it's so true. It's such an old thought process, but you know, like whoever makes the most gets to make the decisions. And I would hope that today's, I'll say marriages, relationships, whatever, I'm much older. So the money relationship in our relationship, it was different. It definitely was. And it would kind of ebb and flow as to, oh, I'll do the bills now because you're too busy with work. And, you know, but we found a way and it were it's not for everybody, but we talk about money. It's not, you know, taboo or don't worry, I got this. We sit down and be like, okay, come on, what's going on? What do we got coming up? We've got this, we've got that. All right, well, here's a plan. Let's use it. And we just discuss it. And I know a lot of times it's such a topic that let's talk about life insurance and and death plans because nobody wants to talk about that. But no one needs to be ashamed if they haven't been involved in the money because there is a natural division of duty in families. Mm -hmm. I take care of this, you take care of that. And there are so many people who aren't involved in their finances. And so if that's you, you're not alone. Do not be ashamed. There are lots of people in your same shoes. What we can do about that today is get you informed today, right? Mm, yes. You just gave me a great segue to say <laughs> that right now I am working on finishing up the marriage money guide. So it oh, is- Oh, I'm yes. listening. Now we're going to get a little bonus. Let's go. <laughs> right? So the marriage money guide for women is all about protecting yourself as you are entering into marriage. And so how will you set up your money? What are your options? How can you talk about money with your soon-to-be spouse? And no matter what way you guys decide to set up your money and manage your money together or separately or or a little bit together, a little bit separate, what kinds of things can you be on the lookout for? How can you protect yourself going forward just in case, God forbid, your marriage should someday end? 
so it's interesting. You know, I would think that once someone gets over initial fear of you have this lifestyle together and it's the fear of the uncoupling. And then I don't even know if people go right to, holy crap, what the hell, how am I even going to, can I afford to stay in this house? Do I have to move? Do I have to get a job? Like all of these, do I have tos? At what point do you find that, you know, the client is coming to this realization? It's because it's a lot. And I would also, this is one of those continuous questions, sorry. And then I'm curious if similar to, I'll say the death of a relationship, does it come with different stages? You know, when someone first contacts you, oh, are we in the, I'm so pissed off, I'm going to get that SOB, or is it the, I still can't even believe this is happening, help me. And there's the feelings that some have of whatever he wants, I just want to be done with it. And it's like, wait, hold on. You don't just want to be done with it. Yes, you want to wrap up this divorce as quickly as you can and as painlessly as you can, but I'm not going to have you put yourself in financial jeopardy just to be done with it, right? The interesting thing is that when men and women are coming out of divorce, their standard of living goes down. Because if you think about it, they had the income that they had. They had one house, one set of living expenses. Once you separate, you've now got two households to pay for. So everyone's standard of living goes down to some extent, but proportionately women's goes down much further. That's part of what I'm trying to do here is, hey, listen, if our standard of living is going to go down, let's try to equalize this. I don't want women suffering more in the divorce process. You asked about emotions and there are waves. I think it is a lot like grieving a death or something like that, especially even more so when the relationships were much longer, mm-hmm. there is a lot more to process there. And I have clients who come to me or come to the divorce money guide at varying stages of the divorce. Some are getting with me right at the very beginning. Cause they're saying, I know there's stuff to sort out and I want to make sure we're completely on top of it. And that we look at everything. There are others who might not even realize that there's an option called forensic accounting. And so they don't get involved with me until much later in the process. And they're saying, oh, goodness, is there enough time? There are varying emotions, I think, depending on where in the divorce process that they are. So another reason why I wanted to speak with you and and learn from you, because, again, we all know someone and if you have someone, uh, let's say your soon to be ex has run up some credit card debt that you may not be aware that your name is on it, unbeknownst to you. I mean, how does that all play into if, you know, there's another mortgage on your house or there's something refied that you had no idea about? What happens in those cases? Well, it's tough because for the most part, and and this varies by state and there's a force, you know, Mm -hmm. laws here, there, whatever. But for the most part, whatever you as a married couple own your assets Mm -hmm. or whatever you owe your liabilities, it's looked at as like, this is all us together. Let's split it all kind of down the middle, right? If there's a credit card, you could end up being responsible for half of that, even if you didn't know it was there. However, Here's the saving grace for you as the spouse. If that credit card 
was used for what we call non-marital purposes. That's what I was alluding to. Yes. Go on. Okay. So uh-huh. I like to call non-marital purposes, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? <laughs> okay. Go Affairs, on. Yeah. Addictions, uh-huh. yeah. gambling. All, all the reasons for the divorce, right? All right. the reasons for the divorce. Yeah. If you can prove that that credit card was for those kinds of things and you have those statements and you've identified those transactions, you have a really good chance of not being held responsible for that debt. You can maybe get more equity in the house or something like this. Or, you know, I see cases where the 401k was cashed out to fund a gambling habit and the wife never even knew about any of this. And and all of a sudden we're getting divorced and she's thinking, okay, we've got a 401k and there's half a million dollars in it. I'm going to get half of that. Come to find out there's nothing in it. Right. So if we have the ability to look at bank statements and look at investment account statements and prove where this money went and prove that it didn't benefit the family, there is some recourse there. It's so interesting. Joy, I'm telling you how to get your money back. It's not always, you know, rainbows and unicorns. Rainbows are very nice, believe me, but it's just so interesting. And this is why I say just knowing the options in the event that someday you wake up and and the guy you thought was your one and done and turns out to be a real dickhead that day and it happens it that it does and all the more reason why you got to think about yourself so red flags are there any that we should maybe just somehow question say i'm in this a long time and quite honestly i'm one of these at this point in in life i'll be like yeah okay whatever oh we do it oh you bought a whatever a resource fantastic oh a sports knock yourself out but (laughs) should i be concerned i don't know (laughs) well certainly there are some red flags that are true red flags i mean I think that you and your husband probably have your rhythm to your spending and your (laughs) hobbies and all that kind of stuff. And you would know, I mean, if racehorsing was never racehorsing, it's not, yeah. Horse uh, racing was never his thing. And he said, I bought a racehorse. You're probably going to be like, wait a second. Okay. Yeah. Right. So red flags are just signs that something may be wrong. They're not proof yet. Mm -hmm. They're not Mm -hmm. proof of fraud but I say we should be on the lookout for warning signs. And so in the divorce money guide, I have step three is all about these red flags. And there is even a quiz there, a 25 question quiz that you take that will help you validate whether what you've been seeing is really something to be worried about or not. So I ask you questions like, have you noticed these things occurring? How do you guys manage your money together? Different questions like that, that in my experience, I can tell you the answers are more concerning or less concerning things like that. So one of the most common red flags that might point to your spouse doing something funny with the money is Mm -hmm. a change in behavior as it relates to control over finances. Great example is you always had access to the bank account online, or you always saw the bank statements come in the mail, something like that. And all of a sudden that changes. You can't get into the online account anymore. And your husband says, oh yeah, I messed up the account and had to change the password. Don't worry about it. I've got it under control, but won't Mm. give you the password. That's really odd. Now, if you saw one red flag all by itself, am I going to be worried? Yeah, not so much. But if there's that, and you also saw another red flag, like he was concealing some spending, maybe the types of things that you typically would have talked about before. I know many couples sort of have like, a dollar limit where the they limit, say, yes, yes, yeah, you're going to spend over this. Let's talk about mm-hmm. it first. And mm-hmm. you find out 
he spent over the limit a couple of times and never told you about it. Now I'm starting to get more concerned because now we've got two red flags, right? So that's kind of how I address those red flags. It's like when you see two, three, four of them, that's when I'm starting to really get concerned for you. Hmm. Okay. And then when it comes to, I'll say, finding the money, finding the trail that could either, let's say finding the money. So when I think about that, that, and I don't know if, if this is correct thinking is obviously, and we'll use, okay, my husband who wants to, obviously wants to come out of this without paying me. If it's 50-50, let's go. If, if you're done, fine. Okay, then give me half. And most people would be like, I'm done, but here's a quarter and let's keep moving. So how do I even know what I'm entitled to? Or is this half? When again, through life, maybe I've paid attention and maybe I haven't. Right. So I show you some ways to help uncover whether there are accounts you didn't know about, right? Like the simplest is, what if there's an investment account you never even knew existed? It's only in your Mm -hmm. husband's name. You never saw a statement for it or anything. Right. And so you didn't even know it was there to say, give me my half. I show you where on an income tax return to go look for evidence that there is an account. So tax returns are super intimidating. There's all these forms. They're all confusing, but I break it down for you and show you exactly where to look on these line by line, go to line 72 a what's that number there, go to schedule this. And if it's a, it'll give a list as to where those amounts came from. Absolutely. That's exactly it. Okay. So it doesn't have to be super hard. And that's what part of what was so exciting about putting this together is like, okay, I think probably 75% or more people are like, I don't know about tax returns. I don't want to know how to look at it there. It's too confusing. Don't ever make me look at it. You do the divorce money guide by the time you do the tax return section. And I show you like, go to this page, look at this line. Here's a list. Do you recognize the names on this list? Super easy. You don't have to be smart at taxes to actually understand things that will help you in your divorce. So have you ever come across the case where since I'm being broken up with and probably, I mean, maybe know the name of the accountant. I may not know the accountant. I don't have the relationship with the accountant. And I sure as shit have never seen a tax return. Just call the office one day, like introduce myself and be like, hey, I need a copy of. It wouldn't be that easy. That is step number one. That is the first thing you should do. And ethically, if your name is on a tax return, they should be giving you a copy of it. What do we find sometimes though? We find that that accountant has only worked with your husband and just Mm -hmm. doesn't want to cooperate with you. Ha, in Steps Divorce Money Guide, gosh, you're selling this for me better than I could ever sell it for myself because (laughs) there is one of the- But I ask from experience, this is all- from experience of people that I know. Go on. That's why it's perfect. Well, so there's a step that shows you how to get your tax returns directly from the IRS. I literally do. There's two videos where I'm doing a screen share to show you exactly where you go on the website, what you need to click on, what documents we're going to get. And so super easy to break it down for you because here's another thing. Even if you do get the tax returns, let's say your husband hands you some tax returns. Great. Do you know that those were the ones that were actually filed with the government or could those be fakes? How would you know? 
Oh, another layer. Holy shit. Another layer. Right. You will know by going to the IRS's website, it's completely free. You get tax returns in your own name. Not if you and your husband filed separately, for some reason, you can't get his tax returns. So don't even go down that path. We're not trying to go to jail here. We're just trying to get divorced, not arrested. You only get your own. But if your name is on tax return, you can get those online immediately for free from the IRS. And so, so I always tell people, even if you do have a tax return in your hand that that was maybe in a file cabinet or something like that at your house, I still would like you to go to the IRS's website and get the data from them just to make sure that what you have in your hand really was what was filed with them. Plus on the IRS's website, you can also find out if they changed any of your tax returns from what was filed, if they audited you, if they assessed any extra amounts due, if there were any extra refunds that you didn't know about, all these kinds of things can be found there. Wow. Who knew numbers were so exciting? Well, I knew it from the, I mean, the minute that you started talking and after you decided not to become the the prison warden, but you were still joyful about that too. You were just like, I'm like, isn't this so interesting? She really, she would really want to do that. I, but you know what, when it sings to you, you can't help. And this serves so many people. Unfortunately, unfortunately it is, there's a market. There's a market. It would be one thing if you would say, oh, yes, I'm this forensic accountant. Yeah, no, I decided to go into, you know, help women in divorce. Gosh, really slow, really. I don't know. There's not that many out there. It's not the case. Do you know how many divorces are filed in the U.S. every year? Tell me, please. 750,000. That's That's a a lot lot. of people who need help. Each year. Each year. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is a lot. So, I mean, you know, we can joke and say, oh, we all know someone getting divorced, but really, we really do. And I also know a few women who've been screwed and you listen to their story and I'm like, you know, he's got the, like, where's, and it comes down to where's the money, right? Where's the money? You know, she couldn't find it. So she didn't get it. Well, and that's just the thing, you know, like I said, when, someone can't hire, afford to hire forensic accountants, their attorney says, well, I know you've got suspicions, but if we can't hire a forensic accountant, there's nothing we can do about it. Right. Right. I wanted there to be an option. So I kind of jokingly say, do it yourself, forensic accountant with some expert help from me. Nobody's going to become a forensic accountant overnight, but they can use some of the easy techniques that I use to help uncover something that's going to give them some kind of mileage, right? It truly, truly is. And with your divorce money guide, and now we got the scoop on the married money guide. I like that. Why do you find in your experience that money is just such a hot topic in a relationship? Why? What better thing is there to argue about than how we're spending <laughs> money, right? <laughs> money is the means to an end and it fuels everything we do, right? I mean, You can't eat without money. You can't have a place to live without money, especially if there are disparities in earnings Mm -hmm. that creates Mm -hmm. a lot of discomfort, could be disagreements and different spending habits. You know, people Mm. don't come into marriage with the same ideas about spending and about savings. And that's part of the marriage money guide is talking about what do we want to save? How do we want to save? What's important to us? Right. I talk about marriage money guide, like your future husband might not have any idea how much it costs for you to go get a manicure and a pedicure every other week. And that might be something really, really important to you. And when you tell him it costs X dollars, 
he might lose his mind over that and say, we're not spending that. Well, wait a second. You know what? He might have an expensive hobby of his own, that little give and take here. Or maybe it's a situation where uh, you come to an agreement where he can live with you getting one manicure, pedicure a month instead of two or, you know, but having these talks and negotiations. It's a conversation, sure. Yeah. Understanding up front is going to benefit you in the long run, for sure. So I have a, a funny story when I was first married and we didn't, well, eh, did we talk? Eh, probably not. I just, my logic was, hey, I'm working, I make good money and of course I'm still going to do this type thing. It didn't last a long time, but I'm a sewer and I had bought a new sewing machine. And at the time it was the latest and greatest electronic. I always had good sewing machines. My mother always had, you know, she would go out and buy the best. So that's, so that's what I do. And maybe it was, oh my goodness, maybe it was $3,000 almost 40 years ago. It was a lot of money of which when I did charge it and my husband sees the bill, he goes, oh my God, you know, is this a mistake? I'm like, no, it's not a mistake. It's my new sewing machine, of course. Silly you. And he's like, don't you think that's a lot? No, not for my new sewing machine. It's, this is me, my friend. And now we're married probably at least five years into this. And, And he's like, they last a long time, so don't worry about it. But, you know, when this one goes, it's probably going to be more. So I'm just going to tell you that. Like, I have no problem pulling a trigger for I could buy almost a car for this price with sewing machines. And he's like, but that's then another conversation. And then we would talk about the big items. But we didn't buy big items to begin with. And I didn't think my sewing machine was a big item at the time. But maybe it fell into that category. But what I love about the guide, it's the conversation starter so that, you know, so many people, as you say, you don't know where you come from, from your money beliefs, what was present in your family growing up, because gosh, we love to bring those tattoos and that baggage with us and those beliefs. And when you have someone who might not have been always that worried, maybe more confident, eh, it's it's just money, whatever, and, and everything always works out. So it's a lot of different personalities that have to get together on this very important topic because it does then lead to, as you say, throughout the relationship, sometimes we may start out almost even or what have you, and then someone's career may take a nice catapult and and rise and income status rises with that, and then it could change. Right. Well, so... You've got a bunch of listeners right now who are sitting Mm -hmm. there and saying, I am happily married, Mm -hmm. but now I'm freaked out because my husband (laughs) handles all the money and I really don't know what's been coming and going from our bank account. Crap. What do I do? And one of the best ways that I found for people to address this issue is go to your husband and say, you know what? I was thinking about our finances and I'm really concerned. Because if something happened to you, if you died, if you were in a coma, something tragic happened, I don't know where our money is. I'd really like to start getting a handle on it now. I'd like to have access to the bank accounts and access to the investment accounts so that if you were incapacitated or unable to handle the finances, that at least I'd be able to get into the accounts, know what's there. I'd be able to know that I can write a check for the mortgage payments and not Mm -hmm. worry about it bouncing. Um, So it's a really non-confrontational way to begin that money conversation. That's 
a great idea. And again, you're comfortable and there's no, and as opposed to let me ask, but then that's going to be, then that raises a red flag for him. Like, where's this coming from? Like, what do you mean? And yeah, no, that's a very, it's a neutralizing way. One actually very funny aside years ago, my mother passed 30 something years ago. She always did the bills, meticulous with the bills, the checking account, the everything to the point where my father never wrote a check, never saw it, like had no idea what bills there were. And this is, you know, again, 19, late 1980s, you didn't have like credit card debt because you just had your mortgage, everybody, they both worked, maybe a car payment, maybe it wasn't a lot, but he, he was on that flip side of not knowing where it was, but she was always just very organized and left everything for him to follow. But if she was still alive, he probably to this day still never would have written a check. And that was their groove. But he went on to, yeah, he had to, you know, pay attention to his money. He was able to retire early. He's, you know, been retired for over 30 years now. Gotta love him. He'll be 89 in October. So it's so interesting that it doesn't matter who writes the checks or who I'll say in air quote controls, which really is the person who holds the pen. That's all. But yeah, it's good just to have the knowledge. And that's all it is. Just find out what's going on. You may Absolutely. have some, you may bring some good ideas to the table if you really, you know, knew. And and also I find sometimes that it's a lot of responsibility to oversee the finances for the family. Just as your story in the beginning, your first client with the woman who felt, you know, who was horrified that she didn't handle it correctly. Uh, you know, we've had that situation too, where believe me, you get pissed off at the person who doesn't handle the money, in your opinion, the right way. And I've had that situation where I'm like, I trusted somebody with an investment and who didn't quite take my direction and lost money. And I was talking about mad. That was like a relationship breaker. I'm like, you got to go because you can't be doing that. So there's a lot of responsibility on the person who's, you know, overseeing and, you know, wanting to make the right decisions, all the more reason why it should be a two-person conversation and lighten the load a little and come in with, share it so you, so another person might see it differently and have a different idea on things. I know there was no question there. I was just a lot of talking. Sorry. Anyway. (laughs) No, I love your talking. As you were talking, I was thinking to myself, I don't need everyone running around being panicked and thinking that there's fraud. You have fraud and you have fraud and you have fraud. We we don't need that. Um, But but being inquisitive is a good thing. Curiosity. I absolutely, totally, totally agreed. So tell us about, you've been featured on, and I'm always curious about either the news, some news shows, uh, they must've done some segments on you. So I've done all the news shows. My biggest one was being on CNBC. Uh, It was a bit ago, but there was a show called On the Money where they would talk about all sorts of personal finance topics. And so I was on there talking about fraud related things and always fun to do interviews like that and just share my knowledge with people for sure. Mm, Yeah. And do you find in today's world, and, and again, unfortunately, there is so much opportunity for fraud 
to appear. And maybe it's not even as the relationship is coming to an end, you could get fished or swindled or listen to my words. I'm so old. My goodness gracious. Uh, But with the phishing, with the phishing emails, because my husband is always like, "Uh, does this look, you know, I got this. I'm like, really, guy? No, delete it. Don't even open it. Just keep moving. They're they're looking to see if someone's on the other end. They're fishing for you. Don't give them a bite, my friend. Don't give them a bite. So going back to the married couple guide, because I, again, I think that's such a useful tool. Is that available yet? Where are we going to find you on social? How are we going to get our hands on all of this? So the marriage money guide is not out yet. It will be out in fall. Okay. But the divorce money guide is available found at divorcemoneyguide.com. Or you can find me on Instagram. My handle there is divorce money guide. So hit the website. There's an email address there. If you want to reach out and ask a question, something like that. And can I tell them about the special deal? Please do. Who doesn't love this? For listeners of the Joy Found Here podcast, you can use a coupon code to get $100 off the Divorce Money Guide. Your coupon code is JOY in all capital letters. Yes. Just for typing three little letters in all caps, you can get $100 off. Love, love, love. Thank you. But really, really enjoyed this little knowledge tribute that we had because you just have to know. And even if it's find out where your tax returns are and and this way, you know, you'll always have that. And that seems to be a nice place to start if you ever need to, as opposed to trying to, you know, not that it's gonna, well, you better do it now because it's going to happen. No, 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 no. But you should still know what's happening. And especially for the one that's not involved get involved like you know no he takes care of everything fantastic i'm not asking you to take everything over ask a couple of questions can i see and i love you know the not the just the very neutral approach god forbid that day happens and i'm left here what do i do when you come from that place of course he's going to want to share with you teach you he wouldn't want you scrambling I agree. Absolutely. I just think that having information in your hands, you can never go wrong. You can never go wrong having that information. And that is how this ties into joy. <laughs> absolutely. That is how it happens. That is why I wanted to talk to you. It's just, you just need to know. Well, and it's absolutely joyful for me to make forensic accounting more accessible to everyone right? I love that part. I don't want it to only be for people who are wealthy or or can write a big check. I want everyone to be able to access the resource. So we're on our way to making it available. And of those 750,000 divorces every year, not everyone is from a much wealthier situation. And this can definitely benefit a lot of those people. So we've created a lot of of joy all over the place. See that? And that's how it happens. Thank you so much, Tracy. This has been a lot of fun and I'm so, so glad that you joined us today. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right, everybody. So I know we're going to get some comments and some questions and the coupon code JOY for $100 savings. Get there. 
knowledge is power. Not everyone's going to need it right now, but as soon as also the other guide is available, which probably by the time we listen to this, it might be released. I would keep checking that that website. And we appreciate your support. You've continued. We're into this now a year and a half. It's wonderful. And I thank you. Thank you. And remember, Spotify, oh, they were so late to the ratings game. Five stars. It would really help us. We really appreciate it. And until the next time, thank you all and be well. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments, and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this.